Welcome to Own the Microphone. Join me, Bridget McGowan, an award-winning international professional speaker and owner of the independent publishing company, BMAC Talks Press. I'm laughing already, everybody, because you are in for a treat. Today, I am joined by Bob. I'm already messing up his name because he has me laughing so much. I am joined by Brian Byro. He is America's breakthrough coach. A major client described Brian best when she said, Brian Byro has the energy of a 10-year-old, the enthusiasm of a 20-year-old, and the wisdom of a 75-year-old. He has delivered more than 1,800 presentations around the world over the past 30 years and has authored 15 books, including his brand new, The ROI of Kindness. He was named one of the top 10 interactive speakers in North America and was honored as one of the top 60 motivational speakers in the world. Oh, Brian, it's so good to have you here. Well, thank you, Bridget. I love every chance I get to spend a second with you. Oh, likewise. We're on the same page. We're on the same page. Now, everybody, uh, you are really in for some special, fantastic information from Brian because one of the things I can't wait to hear from him is the number one mistake people commit when they make presentations. He's going to tell you that. He's going to tell you so much. So if you're driving, I want to say... Well, I wish I could say you should take notes, but if you're driving, don't take notes, but just take mental notes. <laughs> so, Brian, you have done tons of presentations, specifically more than 1,800 presentations. Is it still scary getting on the stage? You know, Bridget, it, it's I would not call it scary because it's doing what I love to do, what I was put on earth to do. But it's um, I was an athlete when I was a young man, and, it's, and the best way I can describe there's a nervousness, but it's a, it's a positive nervousness. You know, it's not a fear-based nervousness. It's a, it's a desire to bring, you know, I, I'm feeling it right now just sitting here looking at you where I just got the chills, where I want to raise my game to be the best that I can be. So there's, there's always a sense of energy and a sense of focus and that, that feeling of tingle that you have where you want to go out and give everybody the best you have to give. But it's not a fear. It's not a fear anymore because fear is based upon the thing that we'll get to, the number one mistake that most that speakers can make. So um, I, I would say that there, it doesn't matter whether it's a small group or a large group. There is that sense of rising up as you're standing on – I was a swimmer standing on the starting blocks and everything focused on just giving your best in that moment. How do you get past the fear of getting in front of audiences? Well, I think, you know, there's a couple things that are really vital. Well, first of all, for everybody out there, I've been a speaker now for 30 years, but the very first time I ever tried to speak when I was really young, you could have taken a crowbar to try to open my mouth after it was done. I was so scared and my hands were shaking and my friends were in the front row going like this. And, you know, so like anything else, the more you do it, the better you'll get at it. But the big key is to let go. It sounds almost counterintuitive, but it's really the thing that's made the biggest difference in, in my career. I love my audience. I love wanting to give them my best, but it's not why I speak. It's not dependent upon their response. It's about the way I feel delivering what I feel I was put on earth to do. And so the biggest way, the only way you'll ever get rid of the fear-based nerves is to let go of worrying about what other people think. 
that you're really not there to win the audience. You're there to give to the audience and let them come. And that is, uh, I, I learned that in a powerful way. Um, in my first couple of years, you know, I lived and died for the evaluations I'd get at the end of my event. And um, I had just spoken, this will date me, it was for Southwestern Bell Yellow Pages. What's the Yellow Pages? Um, and I was in the St. Louis airport. I'd just spoken. In those days, we spoke for a lot longer than we do now. And uh, first thing I did was try to find a corner in the airport where I could read the evaluations. And because of the nature of my style, which is real participative and lots of fun, if I had 100 uh, evaluations, 99 would be awesome, great, incredible. And there'd be one that would say pretty good. And that one that was pretty good was like somebody took, you know, Excalibur and jammed it into my son. Yes. And I was sitting there in the airport and I had an epiphany. I said, whoa, am I speaking for these evaluations or am I here because I love what I'm talking about and want to – do the best I can to share it and help people in their lives and their work and their families. And from that day on, Bridget, I never looked at another evaluation um, because what I would get, if people, if people have something they want to give you a, a comment or a story or, or an idea, they'll always come up and tell you. But the, I realized that the way I was looking at the evaluations was a popularity contest. And by letting go of that, what I said was, I no longer do this in order to get approval. I do it to give what I'm on earth to give. And from that day forward, the, the most amazing change was prior to that, when I would finish speaking, I was whomped. I was dead tired, and I have a lot of energy. It was I was so tired, I didn't even want to speak to a humanoid. After that change... When I finished, I was energized. No longer was it, it was completely a different feeling. And it's because we can't live with the need for approval it, it, because we'll never have enough. Brian, that phrase, not living for approval, not living to win the audience is applicable in so many areas. That initially struck me when you said it. And you're spot on about those evaluations. I don't know what epiphany I had or what was the defining moment for me when I stopped looking at those evaluations. Same here, where I would try to get into a corner somewhere at the airport terminal and look through, and there would be those one or two that just deflated me. And when you start working on pouring into the audience and thinking to yourself, what am I going to give them? How am I going to make them better? How am I going to uplift them? How am I going to put them in a different, better position after hearing me than they were before they walked in this room? When you start saying to yourself, I want them to say this was time well spent. I am so glad he gave me this information, this knowledge, this passion, this with, oh my goodness, it just shifts your mindset. Really, really it's kind of a, a great metaphor is what we're doing is we're providing this grand brunch. Before you, when you and I went on the air, we talked about the Grove Park Inn and the place where I live in Asheville, North Carolina. Uh, they have this magnificent Sunday brunch. It's like three rooms and, you know, ice sculptures and all this stuff. Well, that's what you do as a speaker as you lay out this beautiful stuff. But you can't force people to eat stuff. They have to choose what they want to take. If they see that marshmallow salad with the, you know, the pecans and the, and the, you know, the celery and they don't want it, don't try to force them to eat it. And, and I can always tell 
when somebody is not let go of that fear, that fear of losing the audience when they're doing it for the need for approval, because what they'll do is they'll be drawn to the person who's giving them the, the poor body language, their face, the person who's looking like, I don't like you. And then from that point forward, the speaker's not talking to the room. They're trying to convince that one person to come around. And I've learned in some fascinating ways that you can never tell what's going on with people. You know, some people um, process information and when, and their facial expression makes it look like they're, you know, they're having severe gas pains, right? But they're not. They're processing. And those people sometimes are getting more from what you're given than anyone. And, and so you just gotta be there for everyone, lay out the brunch, let them choose what they want, take as much as they want of it, because you also have to understand what they're getting is, is a, is a main measure, not really up to you. It's about where they are in their lives. You know, if they just found out that they, um, got a diagnosis of breast cancer, then what you say will, the key things that they can apply in that part of their life will be what will come through. And somebody who's really dealing with some challenges with their, with their teenager and trying to figure out how to make, they're going to gather entirely different things. And so all you can do is put it there, put it there with passion, put it there with love, put it there with the power of stories and let them dig into what they want to dig in and, uh, and they'll get what they came for. You'll never be able to please 100% of the audience 100% of the time. You just won't. You can find the most successful corporation, entity, brand on the planet. Everybody does not have a pair of Nikes in their closet. Okay? (laughs) Everybody's not having, I don't know, Panera bread for lunch today. So, (laughs) Absolutely. And here's what I've also found that is, I bet you found this as well because of what you just were discussing. If you have somebody who comes into an event and they're very skeptical, they go, ah, that motivational stuff, you know, if you try to convince them, if you try to push them into turning around and saying you're wonderful, you'll create what's called the pushback. I often do this in a seminar. I'll go up to a person in the front row and I'll say, would you put your hand up for me? And they'll put their hand up and I'll push on it. And immediately they have a reaction to push back. Yep. (laughs) If you try to push people, they will push back. But if you just let them be, if if you let them, you put it out there, you smile, you 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 see somebody that you think is there, and they're not real, they're pretty skeptical. I can tell, that, and just enjoy them and have fun. Then they'll more like if they're going to come around, they will come around. And if they're not, you don't get up, you don't take it personal. You know, as a great speaker, you want to be easy to impress and hard to offend. Um, being easy to impress means that you you love people. You're looking, you know, one thing that has always really served me, Bridget, in as a speaker is that um, I realized that any single person in every audience I've been in, if they could get over their nerves, if they could let go of the need for approval, they have something they could say that would bring me to tears, that would bring me to laughter. They have some, every one of us is a speaker because every one of us has had a life experience. And so I recognize that I'm just lucky that I get to be sharing mine. But as I look out, I'm looking out. Every one of you could be up here with important things that could touch touch lives. And um, and that's true. You know, I, I'll always remember when I first learned, uh, was thinking about becoming a speaker. I was moving from the corporate world into the speaking world. I went to an event that had like 50 people. And most of the people 
Um, this was like a two-day thing. Was, and most of the people were pretty accomplished speakers. And there was one woman in there who had never spoken. And we had to do this thing where one by we were in a circle. And one by one, each of us had to come to the middle of the circle and talk for a minute and a half and about whatever we wanted to. And the real challenge to it was to be present when you're two people away from you know you're going to be the one to go out there so that you're still listening to the people out there. Well, of those 50 people, 49 fairly good speakers or real good speakers, the one who blew us away was the one woman who had never spoken. And in one and a half minutes, she brought us to tears. She made us laugh. She was completely present from the heart. And I realized, that's when I realized that everyone has so much in them that there are no overachievers. Wow. I need a moment. I need a moment. That was, that surprised me. I was not expecting that. Or maybe I should have. I don't know. That was fantastic. Now, tell me this, because you will have the skeptical people in the audience. You'll have those who are cheering you on, ready for you. How do you engage the audience the right way to make sure no matter who's sitting in front of you, you're drawing them in? Well, I think there's a couple of things that are, are at the heart of it. Uh, number one is your energy. Um, it's what I, you have to be, you have to bring your energy. Uh, here's the simple truth. People won't remember that much of what you say, no matter how well you say it, but they'll never forget your energy. They get your energy long before you open your mouth. They get your energy after you close your mouth. They get your energy over the phone. They've never seen your face. Hey, they get your energy the way you send emails. Email stands for like, for energy mail, not acting electronic mail. <laughs> so the first thing that you want to do to engage an audience is engage yourself. Is make sure, you know, I talk a lot about energy. It's one of the key elements that I speak about. I call it controllable. But that starts with right before I speak, I want to make sure that I have elevated my physical energy. And there's two secrets to elevating your energy. First, it's so simple that we miss it, and it's right in front of us. And you've got the gift, because I can see it over here on Zoom. And that is your energy is created by the way that you move, period. In other words, anytime you've been at your best, you have moved your body distinctly differently than when you've been at your best. Your facial position, your facial expression, your eye position, focus, your posture, and your breathing. And so one of the first things I do is, is I, I get myself into this physical, you know, it's funny, I joke about it. When I'm on stage, I'm 25. When I'm off stage, I'm back to 65. But on stage, I am 25 years old, and it's because of physical movement. So the first key to elevating your energy is to, is to elevate your movement, to smile, even if you don't feel like smiling, to open your eyes wide, to, to just bring physical energy and movement. You want to move people, you got to move yourself. Step two, and, and the more profound, because movement automatically comes from this second key to your energy. And that second key is to be full of purpose. When you're full of purpose, you're full of energy. So at every event I go to, I bring with me this big laminated photo of my purpose, which is my family, uh, my wife, my two daughters, my son-in-law, my two grandbabies. And the last thing I do before I speak is I spend time with each one of them, real time, present time. And I feel with this incredible sense of gratitude. I feel with this incredible sense of if I don't give everyone out there the best I have to give, I'm not giving you my best, and I won't do that. And so purpose and energy together is the, is the key to your preparation uh, because then you're not doing this for ego. You're doing it for we go. 
Ooh, everybody, the next time you have to do a presentation, take a picture of someone or take a picture of the people who are closest to you in your circle, who matter the most to you, the ones for whom you are doing this. And so now you're taking yourself, you're taking yourself out of the equation. And when you think about doing this for a daughter, a son, a husband, a family member, a friend, Whomever, when you think about doing something for someone else, performing for someone else, your your energy, your passion, your excitement, your purpose just goes through the roof. And I would I would go out on a limb and say some of the anxiety goes away. If, oh, it does if absolutely I'm, because you're not thinking about yourself. That's yeah. how you let go of the need for approval. You're just. It, it really, it's it's amazing how it takes a couple of minutes and it absolutely transforms you. Everyone, every single person watching this podcast will relate to this, and that is when you're full of energy, you're when you're full of purpose, you're full of energy. Yeah, you, you ever notice when you get to do what you love to do? It doesn't matter how much sleep you had, it doesn't matter how you've been feeling. All right, but when you lose sight of your purpose, it's like somebody puts a big old pin in it. Uh, there's a frequency to emotions. You know, we're we're electrical beings, and we have we have uh, different frequencies relating to different emotions. There's actually a book that was written about this. It's called Power Versus Force. The highest frequency emotion is gratitude. So when you are full of gratitude, there is no room for any negative emotions because that frequency will overpower the slower negative emotions or vibrations. So put yourself in a sense, you know, when I'm, when I'm speaking, one of the first things I do in the first two minutes, and I mean it from the bottom of my heart, is I'm, I'm expressing gratitude. I'm expressing gratitude to the people who made it possible for me to be there. I'm expressing gratitude to the audience. And that gratitude right away rises, rises my frequency to where I can have the greatest opportunity to be my best. So the number one key to uh, really engaging the audience right away is being engaged yourself, is elevating your own energy. The other key kind of, if you want to call it more of a skill, we've all got it in us, but we've got to develop it, is the power of stories. Um, stories are, uh, in 2015, Forbes did a study on the impact of stories versus information. And what they found was, this is like, this blows me away, that when we receive a lesson or a message or a learning point via a story versus just the facts, just the information, we hold on to that lesson, that message, that learning point 22 times more than when we just get the facts. 22 times. That's not 22%. That is an enormous number. And what else is important to me is that I want to connect with people where they are, as we were talking about a little bit before. The other power of stories is something that's called neural coupling. And I know you've had this experience. Somebody's telling a story about their family or telling their own story. And somewhere along the line, it's no longer their story. You see your husband, you see your children, you see you. And that is not by chance. It's because of the way that our brains actually work. We have some neurons in our brains that are called mirror neurons. And when somebody tells a story, our brains light up exactly in exact complement, a mirror image of their brain. And so it actually is a physical component that creates that neural coupling. But that's when you really connect with people because no longer is it your child, it's their child. No longer is it your job, it's their job. And they own it, and now they connect with it at a, at a heart level. 
And now it's their lesson or it's their learning. Absolutely. And that's what you're there for is for them to take it into their lives. You know, um, we'll get to it, I'm sure. But one of my greatest goals as a speaker is that by the end of my presentation, that they're the stars, not me, them, that they have actually applied the principles we've learned before we walk out of that door. Because when they do that, the adhesion is, is potentially lifelong. Yes. Yes. Now, this is the part that I've been so excited about. <laughs> what is the number one mistake people commit when they make presentations and how do they fix it or how do they avoid it altogether? <laughs> well, we pretty much covered it already, darling. And that is real simply put, they go from the position of the need for approval. And until you get rid of the need for approval, you will never be the speaker you can be. Um, it doesn't matter if you make a few bobs and misses in your, you know, you can do an uh here and there. It doesn't matter if you mispronounce a word here and there. What matters is that you're coming from your heart and not from your memorization. Most people think of speaking as writing a speech and memorizing it and then delivering it. That is a disconnect. Great speakers come from the heart, not the head. It's an 18-inch journey you've got to get to. But the only way you're going to do that is to let go of that need for approval and come from that place of I am doing what I was put on earth to do right now as I'm giving this presentation. And, and you can learn your speech. You can, you can, you know, in, in my whole 1800 events, I've never, I've had to write one speech, actually write it. And that was because I was speaking in China and they had to, they had to do sequential translation. So I actually had to write out what I was going to say. And, um, I had to actually, work and practice to stop worrying about what I had written, you know, and just so I, and instead let it flow out of your heart and it will flow because the block to flow is the need for approval. Uh, and as soon as you get rid of that flow, as soon as you open yourself up to um, that, that I'm here because of a higher purpose. I'm here to serve everyone that's in this audience because everyone in this audience deserves something wonderful in their life and then you come from inside and you just put it out there as that grand bunch, then you will not make the mistake that, because immediately when you do that, you let go of that. What I can't really handle is a speaker who comes over contrived. Somebody that I know is, 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 is just kind of speaking a, you know, a memorized talk, but they're not, they're not in it. They're not living it. They're not, they're not really it. They're not walking that talk. So, um, as soon as you get rid of that need for approval, you will start to touch people and you will start to move people and you will start to neurocouple with people and you will feel energized by what you're doing rather than, oh, I'm done. Thank goodness. Uh, and that is an incredible feeling. And you, when you, when you shift your paradigm and start thinking about presentations in terms of giving the audience a gift, you look forward to the next presentation. You don't walk off of a stage saying, oh, thank goodness that's over. But you walk off of the stage saying, man, when can I do this again? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I got to tell you, you know, during this uh, pandemic, when live events have been put on hold, you know, um, it's a tough time. And a lot of people go, well, Brian, you must be really happy you're not on all those airplanes all the time and you get to be home and stuff. And I, I love my wife and I love my home, but I want to be out there. I want to be doing what I was put on earth to do. You know, I, I joke around and say, well, they say, well, when are you going to, when are you going to retire? And I go, well, when I have to bring four people with me, so one on each side and one in front and one in back, so I don't fall in any direction. There's somebody to catch. 
I mean, I'll do, I will do it for as long as I feel, one, that I'm relevant, and two, that I've got the physical uh, health to be able to do it. But I, I, you'll, you'll love it. you love what, you know, doing what you love, whatever it is. You know, speaking is one thing you can do to love. But whatever you do, you want to do it from a place of passion. You want to do it from a place of, uh, of choice. And that's really what it is. You know, a lot of people think um, that they don't have a choice about what they choose to do. You, there's only one thing you don't have a choice for, and that's argument. And that's, arguably you do, and that is to die. Everything else is a matter of choice. So speak because you like to, love to, can't wait to, choose to, not because you feel you have to. Spot on. Spot on. What else does the audience need to know? Well, I think that the other key things that you want to do when you're speaking is is understand that in a presentation, it's a little bit like a great book. And, you know, when you read a great book, you want to make what a great author does is they lead you into the next chapter where you just got to turn that next page where you can't say, okay, that's cool, I'm done. And sometimes speakers in the in that as they prepare their the presentation, they're such separated modules. They don't think about the connections from module to module. They have to loop from one to the other. So that's in my preparation. I've spoken so many times and I love what I do so much, but when I'm in an airplane flying someplace, I'll still write out a little outline of my talk, even though I could do it upside down, blindfolded sideways. But what I'm envisioning is how the, this, this first little story connects to the next. And it's making those connections that takes a good talk to a great talk because it all, each one then uh, adds a, a real level of reinforcement to what you taught before. And so they, it all is connected. It's those connections from one to the other that can make that difference between good and great. And that's what we want. We want to go from just being, nah, that was pretty okay, to, whoa, I cannot wait to see this person on the stage again. Brian, this was fantastic. Thank you so much. Oh, it's my total pleasure. I could talk to you for 16 years. Uh, you're so, you have <laughs> such a brightness, such a joy, and such a presence. And I, I just want to end with this one thought. Ultimately, what we've been talking about is that to be a, be a great speaker, to be a great anything, you need to be fully present. You need to be, and, and you're, the only way to be fully present is to be out of your head and into your heart. And so that's what I, the la, the first thing I do with an audience is I say, everybody take a nice deep breath in, let it all the way out. And I do that so that I am fully present. They can be fully present too, but I'm doing it so that I'm centered. I'm not thinking about what's happening 20 minutes from now. I'm not thinking about what happened yesterday um, in that exact moment because that's when we pe- help people to know that they're important. And as a speaker, that's what you're doing is helping people know they are important, that they matter, that they're significant, and that they can get better and better every day. I could not have said it better myself. I absolutely could not. When you take yourself out of it and make it all about the audience, make it an audience-centric experience, it takes so much weight off of your shoulders, and it makes it so much more enjoyable for both you and your listeners. You take them on a ride. You take them on a journey. I like starting my presentations by letting everybody know what they're going to know or be able to do by the time I sit down and shut up. (laughs) So that I'm so focused on making sure that this is going to be time well spent for them. It doesn't matter what's going on with me. As long as I am making sure that this is quality, that I'm bringing value to them, 
that's that's all that's absolutely important. and i would say one last little thing too is laugh at yourself you know um you know some speakers and this is just not my style pick on audience members and you never know if that audience member is not at a place where they should be picked on I have plenty to pick on in myself. So when I am trying to teach something, it's often learning from the mistakes I've made, that where I've made a wrong turn, when I wish I would have done something different. And that that really connects with people because you're you're not separating yourself and saying, you know, I am the high and mighty, do what I do. You're, you're human and you're letting them, and therefore they'll grab a hold of that lesson because it wasn't a push. It wasn't a it wasn't a downward thing. It was like, gosh, man, I was such a, I made this mistake, but, you know, here's what I learned. Brian, this just struck me. We both said you're human simultaneously. And this is what struck me. I think this is something that makes people scared about public speaking. It's because they think they have to take on this superstar status, right? And you Absolutely. Don't. You do not have to take on a superstar status. You do not have to all of a sudden elevate yourself. Be yourself and show the audience that you're human. And when you show that you are human, that you are just like them, they fall even more deeply in love with you and your message. They absolutely do. They do, they do that neural coupling where now everything you brought them, they bring into their lives. They bring it home. And a speaker's job is to help the audience bring whatever it is you want to give to their home, to their children, to their family, to their life, to their aspirations, their dreams. If you've done that, it doesn't matter if they even remember your name. What matters is that they remember what they learned and what they can do with themselves. And how you make them feel. And then that's when you gain the superstardom. Absolutely. Absolutely. And have fun doing it. I mean, it's a pretty fun gig. I love it. Yes. Yes. Oh, and that's so key. I don't think we talked about having fun. Anyway, that's a whole nother conversation. That is, that you is. Have, you have to have a good time, but don't feel like you have to have that celebrity rock star status before you get on the stage. Uh-uh, just be yourself. Just be human. Just that be That is a cool. beautiful insight and, uh, and absolutely true. You're not, you, it's not a, it's not about you. It's about really bringing the best for them. There you have it. Listen, as everyone can tell, we could go on and on and on. Brian Byro, thank you. So much. My joy. Thank you so much for all that you're doing. You're a, you're a, a delight. I can't wait till we share a, a, a stage sometime. And a pimento cheese sandwich at the Grove Park Inn. There you go. You got it, girl. <laughs> Mark it down. All right. Joy Thank to you. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you, Brian. Bye-bye.